Hello, and welcome to RD and the Inbetweens. I'm your host, Kelly Priest, and every fortnight I talk to a different guest about researchers, development, and everything in between. Hello, and thank you for tuning into this online resource. My name is Olivia Banikin and I'm a second year PhD student at the University of Exeter. Today we are joined in discussion by my really good friend Jemima Kola Abudunde. She has nearly 10 years of experience in the NHS. She's a physiotherapist by background and has worked across various settings as a clinician. She's an MSc in Public Health from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and she's also worked in South Africa. Currently, she works in digital transformation in primary care, exploring how patient outcomes can be improved using digital tools. So thank you so much for joining Jemima. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about uh, what your your interests are. Yeah, I think you've kind of summarised really well. I think ultimately my interests are wide and all within healthcare and I guess um, the main focus is about optimising healthcare delivery on a global scale um, for patients and ensuring that those that are most vulnerable are not left behind. Mm, That sounds amazing. Um, Yeah, yeah, thank you for joining this uh, Decolonial Festival. So, um, yeah, what does decolonization mean to you? Yeah, so this is a really big question. Um, I think when I was looking up what it meant in terms of its definition, um, you know, the internet said it's a process by kind of which colonies become independent of the colonizing country. Uh, But for me personally, I think it's really just going back to one's original roots and identity. Um, So whilst, you know, the colonizer might be absent physically in some places, to me, decolonization refers to the kind of the mental, social, and cultural independence and sort of disentanglement from invaders and a reestablishment to one's original identity. Mm, Thank you so much. So so you work in in the field of public health in the NHS. Um, so why is decolonization important specifically in, in your field? Um, so I think when we talk about decolonization in the NHS and in the public health, <clears throat> I think for me kind of it refers to a lot, it has a lot to do with health inequalities um, and it refers to you know, in inclusion, it refers to diversity of voices, um, ensuring that um, everybody has the same level of care. Uh, and that's not happening at the moment. Uh, you know, if we think about kind of the workforce in itself, um, the kind of the bane brackets, I appreciate not everybody likes that terminology, but about 22% um, of the NHS staff are within, you know, would kind of classify themselves as BAME and that's quite significant. So, you know, their voices need to be heard um, as well and they need to be treated fairly. But we've seen kind of in the past that that hasn't always been the case. Uh, If we take the case study of COVID, um, that in itself showed us 
glaringly the health inequalities amongst minority ethnic groups um, with higher rates of death amongst um, you know, black Africans, um, Bangladeshis, uh, because of a lack of understanding, lack of trust from patients, public side. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of thing happening, lots of things happening there from a kind of a public health and NHS perspective that ties back to kind of colonial roots, you would say. Yeah, and you know, just um, thinking about that topic, um, it kind of made me think about um, the, the the COVID vaccine, for example, and how I, I know within the black community there was a lot of scepticism yeah. with regard to, to the vaccine, and it made me think about um, just historically how research has been conducted in Africa, and um, that has kind of almost experimented on on black bodies. Um, so how, how far do you feel like that has influenced people's kind of scepticism around the vaccine and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think that has a huge um, part to play in all of this. I think fundamentally, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have lots of different reasons, so I can't speak for everybody, but I think distrust um, was a huge part of the reason why there was poor uptake amongst uh, black and minority ethnic groups. Um, of the vaccines. Think um, about, you know, um, kind of case studies like uh, the Tuskegee syphilis study um, and Enrietta Lacks and some other sort of public health studies that were done on black bodies. Um, it's no sort of surprise that people are, you know, quite apprehensive about taking, you know, you taking vaccines and so on. So I think that definitely has a part to play in why there was a lot of apprehension about certain groups of people. Yeah, it just, it just made me think about, um, yeah, historically how research, research, research has been conducted in, on, in Africa and how, um, yeah, there have been some really unethical, um, really unethical uh, experiment, I guess, yeah, experiments and, research that has been conducted that is not okay um, yeah absolutely done. yeah mm. absolutely and, and yeah it's really really unfortunate because um you know um public health um you know you could say fundamentally has colonial roots um and so that that kind of fosters and encourages the white savior syndrome, mm. people parachuting into certain countries. Um, you know, there's the power dynamics um, also has a part to play um, in, in all this. So a combination of all these different factors without sort of co-production uh, can kind of <clears throat> augment um, just poor practices really with the kind of public and global health. And so I think, you know, there are some examples of good practice um, mm. here and there, but I think, yeah, I think that's still a fundamental problem um, in public health and even, you know, within the NHS as well. Um, I'm happy to talk about some kind of the examples of good practice if, if you want me to. Yeah, that would be great. I'm sure there are people listening who might be thinking about doing research in public health and maybe thinking about doing that in other countries. So yeah, so, have some examples. yeah, sure, no problem at all. I feel like, um, you know, you mentioned initially about the work that I did in South Africa, and that was part of a global health um, fellowship that I did uh, with Health Education England. And that was 
a partnership, um, you know, not without its flaws by all means, but I think it's a better model uh, of working with different countries, you know, they know their context and what we do know about kind of certain interventions, whether it's locally, nationally or internationally, that mm -hmm. context is paramount and, you know, hearing people's voices on ground is really, really important. So that's a global health fellowship. Um, so you can just Google that if anybody is interested or kind of you can, um, I'm happy to chat with anybody about that. Uh, Kings also do a global health partnership as well in Sierra Leone and Congo, sort of a similar model, <clears throat> excuse me, um, which, yeah, has kind of reaped good benefits, I, I believe, as well on ground in those countries. So, yeah, there's that. And I think, you know, more sort of nationally bringing it home, there's a race and health observatory within the UK that's looking at kind of health inequalities and trying to address them. Um, you know, it was kind of mainly following COVID and everything that happened there. So yeah, there are some conversations. I think most importantly, it's about moving away from uh, conversations and policies and publications and making some of these um, thoughts and ideas more actionable. Yeah. So you met, you mentioned your work in South Africa. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that and the work that you were that you were doing whilst you were out there. Yeah, so I guess that work there, as I said, was with Health Education England. I was a fellow there. I was in the Western Cape, um, based at a hospital, and I was looking at the stroke stroke management within the hospital and how that can be improved. And so uh, everything I did was very much in partnership with um, the host uh, hospital, uh, with the CEO of the hospital, with allied health professionals and clinicians and patients. And so it was really trying to facilitate communication between the healthcare staff, um, looking at things like um, a designated stroke ward, looking at documentation, um, how they do certain things. So really, I was at their, you know, I guess, service, really, um, and try to address some of that, uh, what was going on with, with stroke, stroke management. And, you know, following, I guess, the fellowship, it, it was good in the sense that communication did improve. Um, you know, there's just simple things like having kind of regular meetings uh, between them and streamlining some of the admin tasks. Um, and, you know, listening to patient voices as well about what they feel is important to them. Um, yeah, so that was kind of really just a quick summary of what, what that fellowship was about. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Um, so, yeah, so with, with regards to uh, people that may be listening to this podcast who uh, may be considering doing research in other countries, um, in other, maybe other African countries, um, what, what would you say to them? Like, how, how, what would you say would be good practice, especially thinking about decolonial methodologies and practices? Um, how do they come, how do they, you know, not fall into that white saviour complex kind of narrative? I think what I would ask, I'd ask a couple of questions first, actually, and that would be, what do you stand for? Mm. What motivates you? what's your version of a better world? And mm. I think once you have some understanding of this, then it should help with your decision-making. 
Um, I'd say also to kind of stay curious and question the status quo. Um, this might not always produce the most fav favorable outcomes, you know, in the short and medium term for your career, but if it aligns with your values, it's easier to do. And I, I'd say when it comes to incorporating decolonial practices, I'd say act, listen, um, ask, excuse me, listen and act accordingly. So ask questions, um, especially if the power dynamics are skewed in your favor. Yeah. I'd say ask questions, listen intently to what's being said um, and act accordingly. Wow. That's really really powerful because I think yeah historically um, people have gone to different countries with with kind of you know good intentions as as it were, um, but you can end up kind of bringing your own Western ideas and ideologies and and, and imposing it onto a people um, that may that may not want it. So I love that you said that they should listen, and I think it's really important that people do, who do research um, ultimately first listen. They listen to, to their research group, listen to their what they actually want. I think that's really, really important. Absolutely. I completely agree. Thank you so much for your time, Jemima. I really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, what, what's next with you? What exciting things are you getting up to? And how can we keep, how can we keep up to date with that? Like, what are your socials? Yeah, so um, I guess I'm probably most social on um, Twitter. So it's Jemima K.A., on Twitter and on LinkedIn. So just my full name, Jemima Kolab Rodende on LinkedIn. And when it comes to what's next, I think it really is just what I'm doing now. Um, I'm looking at sort of kind of innovation, technology, improvement, um, digital inclusion, all those things, but all kind of within healthcare and how we can improve and optimize it for everybody. Um, including those that are most vulnerable. Wow, yes, that sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it, and um, thank you, thank you for listening. I hope that you you feel inspired to um, for ways in which you can really use decolonial practices within your your research. Um, yeah, so thank you, Jemima. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and join me next time where I'll be talking to somebody else about researchers, development and everything in between.